0: Again and thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alma fifty-eight forty in the Book of Mormon. Today's episode forty-six. Um, I'm probably gonna slide out your last name, Rebecca P- Pleurd. Is that it?
1: Lord, yeah.
0: Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Rebecca is in uh, Houston, Texas. I've uh, Been there for the last two and a half years now. Um, been teaching English too and yearbook in high school and loving it. Uh, actually, uh, her story is similar to mine. Like I like came back up to Canada where I served my mission to, where I met you know Mary Lorraine, Rebecca. Um, her husband came down from the mission where she served up here in the Toronto mission. So they're in Texas now. That's kind of fun. Um, got two kids. They have an eight-year-old daughter, four-year-old son, and. Um, lots of fun with animals, two dogs, two cats, two lizards, two tortoises, and uh, my wife probably is very envious of that. So, <laughs> Awesome. And we'll be talking about teaching today, because that is one of Rebecca's specialties. So thanks for being on today.
1: No, thank you for having me.
0: So first thing I wanted to, to ask you today, um, since you have experience, you know, teaching children, what parallels um, have you noticed in how you feel about your students compared to how our Heavenly Father probably feels when he teaches us? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so, something that I, I think about, like when we were youth um, growing up in the gospel, and I think other religions also as well, it, we get guidance from Heavenly Father or a higher being, but my belief heavenly father in all that we do not just gospel-based um and so as i teach my students in the classroom um i help them i hope that i help them feel the love that i have for them as individuals just like heavenly father does for us like i want them to know that i care about them and that um my intention in being their teacher is not just, let me teach you English, let me teach you how to create a publication for your book, but my intention is let me let you know that there are people out there that care for you and want you to be successful in your endeavors, and I strive to be that person um, that they know they can turn to, um, to get help, to be successful. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. In fact, I remember um, I had a deja vu here. I think I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. But anyways, I had this uh, um, teacher in high school. Rock Ramsey was his name, which is kind of, kind of fun. He was one of those guys who either everybody either loved him or hated him. One of right. those kind of teachers, right? And so and the funny thing is he was a math teacher. And he was dang good at it. And uh, But the thing was is the reason everybody loved him or hated him is because the way he taught in his classroom was very, um, I'm going to help you help yourself. And, right. Yeah, and every Friday, it was funny because every Friday he had, he played Happy Trails like the old 50s Roy Rogers version. <laughs> and he blasted it out throughout the hallways and everything. And and uh, But one of the things I remember most from him was not any math he taught me. It was the morals he, he taught through... Um, the, the music he played every Friday, you know, Happy Trails is kind of a um, I wish you well song, right? Right, right. But then also, um, oh, I, remember, I don't remember what, even which year this was. I had them all four years. But uh, he said, you want to do what's right at night. So you, want, you want to do what's right for no other, and I'm paraphrasing, but for no other reason than just because you want to sleep at night. And like right. my teenage brain, I'm like, that's a good way to put it. And that's the only thing I remember specifically him ever teaching me that really mattered.
1: Right, and that's I mean, and and I think about like all my years in high school, and I, I don't I don't remember the content very much. You know, I remember. Uh, sometimes I don't. High school was a, a big blur for me. I remember, I I clung to the people who stood up for me, and helped me fight the good fight. Um, and so I think like, uh, like I think about my students, like I, I do things that are printed to them. I, I work in a title one school. Title one means that more than 50% of my students are, they qualify for free and reduced lunch. Our number is like up to 92% qualify for free or reduced lunch. So I work in a very high poverty school. And so my students their, their needs aren't how to write a persuasive essay. Their needs are how do I help mom or dad um, pay the bills because I could be making $16 an hour right now versus sitting in the classroom and learning. Why do I need this high school diploma, right? So my role is to help them meet those basic needs um, and encourage them to do better for themselves. I, I feel like the Lord does that for us. The Lord says... I mean, 35, 13, 33 is my mantra that I live by, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? And so I, you know, I help my students get their basic needs met, and when I know that they're in a mind frame, that they're safe, and that they have those needs met, then I can reach them on, on that educational level, and they can grow, and... They, I feel like, not every student, I feel like I'm, I'm just like the teacher that you described, like, some of my students hate me, some of my students love me, and it's really funny because the next year, I've been at this school for three years now, uh, this is starting the third year, and students will be like, oh, you have Miss Ford, like, she's so hard, she's, so, like, she's just a hard teacher, and they usually tell that to students who end up really liking me, so it's really funny because I get that, they either love me or they hate me, there's really not much in between. And I just want them to know that even if they hate me, that they, I want them to feel that I want them to be successful and that I will do what it takes on my end to help them get there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking of, uh, the whole, like what you said that reminds me of, of, I'm just getting towards the end of the chapters in the book of Mormon with the mission to the Lamanites with Ammon and Aaron and all of them. And, uh, something I had written off from the side margins uh, I think is right where they're teaching I, where, where Lamoni comes around at the beginning of the story I wrote off to the side it says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care right mm, that's Lamoni good, yeah. was Lamoni was so shocked how, how is this guy so good at doing everything I asked him to do and he was so shocked at that he's like well okay tell me whatever you want I'll believe you you know <laughs>
1: And it's it's absolutely true in the classroom. If a student doesn't think that you care about them, they're not gonna put forth the effort in the classroom, Um, especially in the type of school that I work in, because they have more important things to do. Like, they really are bogged down by things of the world, and so they won't try hard for you if you don't show that you care for them and that and that you're invested in them.
0: Yeah, if you don't like, make the show them like, look, I actually, I'm not just trying to make you a good student. I'm trying to make you a good person. You know,
1: right? And no, I do things like <clears throat> I haven't started them yet this year, but the school year just started. But I'll do things called Real Life Friday. Um, and so in English class, we'll still apply the um, the objectives that they need to hit, but we'll do it in a real life Friday way. So like, I started it towards the end of the year last year, and we would we would go over how to fill out how to fill out tax when you start a job or how to buy a house or what credit is and why you need good credit and how to start building credit because they're at an age where they could start building credit. So I I still teach them English, but I give them articles and stuff that are pertinent to their life so that hopefully, you know, like we see all these memes and, and, and messages around on Facebook that are like, oh, I wish I had learned that in high school, I never learned that um, stuff, and I don't want my students to say, oh, I've never learned that in high school, I want them to feel like they learn things that they can use later on, because again, what's the use of a persuasive essay, Um, if you're not, actually, a persuasive essay has lots of use, and and I tell my students that this is one of the most important English classes I've ever learned because I can teach them how to get things they want by, by teaching them how to write a persuasive yeah. essay. Um, they need to learn real life things because, again, with the demographics of students that I have, um, their parents, um, Houston is also a very highly, um, high, high immigrant population, um, and many of them are undocumented. And so I have students who, are first generation born in the United States, or they weren't even born in the United States, and they don't know how things work here, and they need to learn. So I try to teach them things that will help them in in this life, and and help them uh, even just just navigate the trials that they experience just by by living.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I that's you know, the. the... For me, when you, you talk about, you know, preparing them for real life and stuff like that, um, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, the, the freedom, I, I'm guessing you find from that, is the more people you can, can you know, can show, look, I actually care about how you function from day to day. The more influence, your influence grows, the more people you can help, and the better you can feel about your own efforts, right? The freedom there is, I've got a way to help more people, and the more people trust me, the more I can become the person who can be trusted with people's kids. You know, The more good you can do and the more you can bring the Spirit into your life. The Holy Ghost, right? So.
1: Yeah, well, and it's not even... I mean... It, and, and it's not even for, like, selfish reasons. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I like reaping the blessings that come by doing what my Heavenly Father asks of me. But by teaching those things to those students like education itself is free um that is like knowledge is what frees us right the re- the reason we understand the gospel is because we were educated in the Yeah
0: gospel. the truth just set you free yeah
1: exactly and so if i am able to teach my students some of these just simple things of life then they in turn will be freer than they would have before
0: Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of good stuff so far. Awesome. Um, kind of veering towards, um, I guess, a bit, more, a bit more of a gospel perspective here. Having taught the gospel of Jesus Christ full-time full for 18 months as a missionary, and you know, now as a, teaching as a career, I'm sure you've seen you know a lot of times where the teaching process can be liberating both for the eager student and the loving teacher, you know, especially as we, we learn to teach in the Savior's way, um, can you get any examples of you know, those freeing effects on you from your experience?
1: The freeing effects on me? Yeah. Um, I think, so on my mission, the type of missionary that I was, um, was I, I was in it to learn right like I was in it to learn what the Lord wanted me to learn I was in it to learn anything and everything if I'm going to live in this world I need to learn of this world Um, and so as I ran into people uh, by knocking doors or talking to them on the street one of my like uh, pickup lines I guess you could say for a missionary right for lack of better words was um, it was you know we believe in Christ, but please tell me about what you believe in. I wanna know about what you believe in. And it's not a it wasn't even really a pickup line. It's authentic. Like I want to know if I don't understand what you believe, um, then why would you even listen to me about what I believe? And and that opened so many doors because my job as a missionary, my understanding from what the Lord the conversations of the Lord and I have, my job is not to um, obviously force religion on people it's to share the gospel um, so that they can feel the spirits so that the spirit can tell them what they need to know and so um, I would teach uh, by listening to what they had to share right and I could share similarities and then put the ball in their court and say now you need to pray about it um, and it, and it opened so many doors and I created so many firm friendships' I'm, I'm great friends with so many people that I met in Canada that never joined the church or haven't joined the church yet um, but I'm still friends with them because uh, because they're children of God and they're they're important to me and they matter to me and I love them and the same thing with my students like it's um, <laughs> so my patriarchal blessing um, says, don't let your vocation take over your life. And I had never, ever in my entire life heard the word vocation used. Like I knew what it was. Well, I Googled it actually, right? Like, or looked it up in the dictionary at that time that I got my blessing because Google wasn't a thing. Um, and saw that it meant a job. And I, um, I had, It was really funny because a student asked me this year. They've never asked me before. They asked me why I became a teacher, and I told them the story. Obviously not with uh, Latter-day Saint lingo or verbiage, but I told them the story um, of why. Anyway, so it said not to let your vocation take over your life. So I didn't go to college right away. I did, but I did really bad, and then I took a break, and then I went back to school. Um, And I decided to take, like, an intro to teaching class to see if maybe that's what I wanted to do. And I'm reading out of this book, and sure enough, it said, teaching is a vocation, blah, 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 <laughs>
0: blah,
1: right? Like, wow. I, here it had been. I, I got my patriarchal blessing when I was 12, I think. I was young. <laughs> and then I um, – maybe I was 14, but I think I was 12. I don't know. I'd have to look at the date. I haven't paid attention to the date. Anyway, that – and then I took this intro to teaching class um, – after my mission, post mission by like three or four years. Right. And so it had been a while and I had yet to see the word vocation used anywhere in between that time. So it was a very clear sign to me from Heavenly Father that I should be going into teaching, that that's what I, that's what I am here for. I'm here to teach. And so I, when I'm at work and I'm with my students, I am not stressed. I love, my job. And there are millions of people in this world who get up every day and dread going to work because they can't stand their job. Now, I'm not a big fan of necessarily working with administration. There's lots of politics that go in hand, but I love my job. I love working with the students. I love teaching. And I, I know that that's because I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. Um, And so he has given me blessings, uh, that come from that, which in turn, I guess it's, it's very freeing to know that. And I don't feel trapped in a job that I can't stand just to pay the bills and live. Like this is something that, that the Lord wanted me to do, which one means, you know, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Right. And two, it means I am doing his work on this earth, right? Like I'm able to do, I'm, I'm where he needs me to be. Um, and I'm able to do his work because this is where he wants me. And so I'm able to talk to his children and I can set an example. Do I preach the gospel at church? No. Um, that would get me fired.
0: Um, so you, I, you said, I don't preach the gospel at church. Did you mean at school?
1: I'm at school. Thank okay. you for that. I, don't, I, don't, I do preach the gospel at church. <laughs> Thank you for that. No, I don't preach the gospel at school because that would get me fired. Yeah. But I set an example. And if a student asks a question about the Bible, I can tell them, this is what I understand. Um, this is what I understand from the Bible. This is what other people understand from the Bible. And I'm able to give them that this is what other people understand from my experience of my mission. And talking with so many other people who have so many other beliefs, I'm able to give them this full understanding and this full circle of these are things that all different people believe, but it's all yeah. up to you.
0: Yeah, yeah you can kind of you, you can mean. kind of like kind of like go full circle there with them. Yeah,
1: right. Uh, yeah, it's up to you if you even believe anything, and if you don't, you know, it's okay. Like I, I, and I, and I honestly mean that. It's not a matter of like uh, let me cover my job, right? Make sure I don't get fired. You know, I honestly believe that. Um, it's so important for them to know everything that they possibly can and so my job as an educator is to teach them the things that they they want to know. You're, you're a, a student is statistically shown that people are more likely to learn something if they seek it out.
0: When, uh, Lorraine and I when we used to have piano students in our home um, <laughs> there's always two parts that it we'd be asking about which one of us do you want to teach you because we both could um, but there was always now, if, how much fun do you want to have versus how serious do you want to be? If you want to be super serious about this and still have some fun, have Paul teach you. If you want to just have a lot of fun and just still learn something along the way, you know. if you want to be more relaxed, have Lorraine teach you, right? right. And, and, and we'd say that, we'd, we'd clarify, we'd say, well, and, well why, are, why, is, why am I so tough? And my, my philosophy was, I would use this analogy with Socrates, for example, this man who went up to Socrates one day, and it... I'm not quite like this, so I don't, I don't want to scare anybody off. But <laughs> this man went up, went up to Socrates and said, teach me everything you know. And so I, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but it's a good pr- uh, principle. Um, yeah. the Socrates said, okay, well, i go down to this river and put the guy under the water and almost drowned him. And when he brought the guy up, he's like coughing and sputtering. He's like, why did you do that? And Socrates goes, what did you want when you're under the water? Well, Air. He goes, when you want to learn from me as badly as you just wanted to breathe, then only then do you come back because only then will I ever actually mean anything to you. Now, of course, right. I'm not that strict. I'm not going to go in, <laughs> around somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right, it's, it's similar to what you were saying there, it's like, I want to make it mean something to them, right? The person who actually comes seeking, saying, I am thirsty, give me this knowledge, right? So, Right.
1: That, and that's it. Like, a student can't... A, a student can learn if I were to teach them everything that I know but they would learn the most if it's something that they have asked about and they want to know about mm-hmm. and so that like that's it so if a student comes to me and asks about a verse in the Bible I'm not gonna stop them and be like whoa' okay whoa, whoa, talk about religion because that's not true I can talk about religion I can't tell you join my church and be part of my religion or push my religion on them but I can still share their information um, from an educational institutional point of view um and just by giving that i can help my students understand more yeah. and at least give them resources where they can turn to so i can even though i can't teach my religion i can set an example my students know that i've never drunk alcohol and i've never done drugs uh they're blown away when i tell them that <laughs> but but they, they're like really missed nothing and i was like no nope, nothing not a one i haven't been tempted ever um and they're they're they know that I don't swear. They know that I don't like swearing. And so in turn, um, they try not to swear around me, which is a step in the right direction as well for them. I also tell them they look less intelligent when they swear and I give them the reason as to why. But, um, <laughs> but, I, but you know, I, I, I feel like setting that example helps. Um, and I've got 150, 160 students that I work with each year. That's 160 people that I touch every year. Um and and I I love it.
0: Awesome. Well the the, the thing I'm thinking of too with the uh, you know the more the more you um, you know are able to create that environment where people you know want to come to you with questions about you know whether it's coursework or personal stuff whatever um the more freedom you have to be that good influence, right? Mhm. So awesome stuff. Wow. Yeah. There's some things here that you mentioned here. That actually one of the things oh, that I I just remembering it now that you mentioned from your mission was when you asked people, you said you asked them, you know, what do you believe? You know, I am thinking about that, and the second you said it, I'm like, man, I should have done that on my mission more, because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, the number of times like I I you know get kind of uh, I don't know different companions you have when you're serving as a missionary, you, you pick up things from each companion. Oh, that worked for them. I'll try that myself, right? Right. And that, that's one thing none of my companions ever said at door-to-door. They never said, hey, what do you believe? Right? And I'm thinking, man, I wish I could have thought of that. That would have probably but, saved
1: <laughs> But But here's the caveat, Paul. The caveat is if you don't truly want to know what they believe, they know. Like you – Yeah, yeah. You know. So, so, yeah, it's great. But if you, if you aren't – if you're doing it just as a, as a way to get them to talk, right – versus really wanting to know. They know the difference. That's true, yeah. so maybe that's why. Maybe that's why that none of the other companions...
0: Because they didn't really want to know. You know? That's true, yeah. I mean, it's... Michael R. Hicks, I think it was during his episode, where he said, you know, people can tell. He's talking about righteous motivation. He said something like, people can really tell when, you know, you are... Doing something for an impure purpose—they—they they, they just know, you know—and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's totally true. Well,
1: wow. uh, they know because everybody's born with the light of Christ within them, and so the Lord, the Lord loves His children, and He will protect them um, as best as their agency will allow Him. And so, yeah, they know because the Lord is right there, trying to keep them safe.
0: Any additional, uh, anything else you want to uh, throw out there with uh, freedom in teaching before we get to our last question? No. Cool.
1: Well, yes. I lot. Okay. Okay, so this isn't about me with freedom in teaching. This is about my students and how my teaching can impact their freedom, right? So I... Last, no, my first year of teaching, I taught, um, what's called an inclusion class. And inclusion is where they put special ed students with on-level students so that they can get that general education class with, um, there's a co-teacher in the room that gives that added boost of help when they need it, but it's helping them, you know, get that, that general education class, um. So I taught inclusion and what I would do is I would tell them, okay, we're going to read and we're going to go around um, and everybody's going to have a turn. And this is where we're going to start. I'm going to read first and then we're going to go on. And what that did was it allowed my students to prepare, right? They could look and say, okay, this is what I'm going to be reading next. So I need to maybe read ahead or whatever it is that they stand need, they need to do. So I came up to this one student and he was like, miss, I don't know how to read. And it, and this can be scary for some teachers but you have to build that culture of safety and security and that it's not okay to insult anybody it's not okay to to do anything negative in this classroom because this is a safe space right and so as soon as he said miss i don't know how to read nobody laughed right and that was that was huge that was the first huge thing nobody laughed and i said that's okay that's what we're here for we're here to help you read And then one or two other students got up to go help him. So we were able to build this classroom of trust, right? And when it comes to reading, when you're in high school in the 10th grade and you admit that you can't read, that's huge, right? That's a huge flow. And the fact that he said that aloud meant that he trusts and that he felt safe in the classroom. The fact that nobody laughed confirmed that he could trust and was safe in the classroom. And that I had done a good job of creating that classroom culture of that the fact that I had two students get up to go help him and one of those students wasn't even a, the strongest reader either but he was willing to get up and go help as best as he could it's like right? I know something so, that, so I
0: can yeah I know something so I can do something
1: right and so the fact that they had the confidence to get up and go meant that we had continued to build that culture and that milieu in the classroom they went and helped him read and as soon as he finished reading his section he got a round of applause like wow. the whole class supported him in what he did now when you admit that you're weak at something and and the lord takes those weak things and makes you strong yeah right he did that in the form of having that safe environment for the student and having those other students being willing be it the lord prompted them or they did it on their own accord the Lord helped create that environment. For this, I feel that, right? Like he, the student may not recognize that or or whatever, but I feel that.
0: I, I, it, um, feel, it sounds so, like you know he helped you create that environment.
1: You're right. The Lord helped me create create such environment for for these students, right? And this student, I looked at him and I said, "I don't know what you're talking about." It's telling me that you can't read? Did you see what you just read? And he said, "Yeah, thank you, Miss." And the smile on his face. Yeah. And the confidence that he had in himself from them, like that's not something that you you can just teach, right? Like that's something you have to build. Um, you have to build, and the 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 spirit. Now, I recognized it. I don't know that my students recognize yeah, it. Yeah, of course. The spirit in that room <coughs> was that of freedom, right? Like to be able to read is freedom. Like the set, the spirit in that room was that. And it was just a beautiful experience, a beautiful testimony of of loving these children and helping them be their best. It was just, I don't know, like it was just something that I will never forget. The the smile on that student's face when he realized that he could do what he thought he hadn't. like We we get that all the time when the Lord faces such a hard trial in front of us and then we look back and we're like, I can't believe I just did that. Like, yeah. I can't believe that's what just happened. And I got a sense of that feeling that the Lord has when he's like, yeah. I knew you,
0: you, it's like, I knew you could do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you could do it, which is why I told you to do it. But like, <laughs> just that just that feeling of seeing that confidence in that student.
0: Yeah. That's, well, it's, that's
1: what it's all about. To yeah. Be able to see that student grow.
0: It reminds me of... Um, when, uh, when my wife worked on the suicide prevention lines for a while, um, there was this guy who would call in. He he knew when she worked, and he would call in every time she was on on uh, on duty. And um, what happened one time was, you know, he she eventually helped him, you know, like get away from. He was, I guess, this into you know drugs and stuff like that all over the place. And that's all he did with his life He just just whether it was dealing or buying whatever it was and smoking drugs. That's all he did. That's all he knew how to do, and one day she finally asked him, "You know, do you mind if I ask you what got you involved in all this?" And he goes, uh, "I can't read and write." He goes, "That's why I, all I know, all I know how to do, is drugs." Mm-hmm. And so she recommended, you know, a literacy program to get him into it and stuff. And um, nearby, I mean, obviously, like she couldn't learn everything about him because of the confidentiality with the lines right. and stuff. But yeah, right. but uh, she recommended some places for him to go. And the um, funny thing is, through that avenue, she was able to teach him the gospel over time and within like, I think it was like a week, he had moved out of town, you know, separated himself from his environment, entered um, a literacy program, stopped everything cold turkey and just turned his life completely around. Wow. Because, he, and for, all, for all we know today, he's still an active member of the church and and all because, you know, Lorraine was on that line to say, you know, well, well, what is your struggle? Why is this hard for you? Well, let me help you with it, right? Yeah, um, build
1: that confidence. Yeah, you there's there's, you, know there's you are worth it.
0: Yeah, there's so many times where, um, going back to the piano student analogy, um, for the rare occasion where students would actually pick me to teach them because I was, always, I always, you know, he's the hard guy, right? Right. Um, there was one of them who I said, you know, by the way, I'm going to give you a heads up because you've shown me you can handle this. I'm going to ask you to do things like, like you mentioned, right, that you don't think you can do. Yeah. And I'm going to prove myself, and you're going to prove me right every time that you can do something you think you can't do. And it, it, it happened, right? I'd say, I, I need you to do this scale um, without looking at the music anymore. I need you to do this this measure without looking at the music, or you know, I need you to learn, you know, learn these measures that you haven't seen before. Um, this length of the song by next week. Oh, I can't do that. I'm like, yes, you can. And they'd come back and they'd play it, sketchy maybe, but they'd play it. They'd get through it, and they'd be like, you know, you just played through that whole thing. And I didn't, ha- I didn't correct one thing you did. It wasn't perfect, right. but you hit, but you hit all the notes. Even yeah. if it wasn't like it was clunky the whole way through. Like, oh, I did. Yeah. All we got to do now is clean it up. Told you you could do it, right? Yeah. And I yeah, you know, exactly. imagine, like you said, how many times is you know, Heavenly Father say to us, "I told you you could."
1: Yeah, I knew you could do it.
0: So it's true. Awesome. Okay, so last question for the night. Um, I mean, when it comes to you know the master teacher, our Savior, right? What suggestions do you have for our listeners tonight to be both you know an effective instrument, an effective student of our Savior and a source of freedom for others as we teach each other in His way.
1: So, um, I think that, I think that the most important thing is to be willing to listen. Like you have to listen. If you, if you find yourself too busy and you don't have enough time to listen, then you can't learn what the Savior has to teach you and you can't, um, you can't be the instrument in his hands that he needs you to be, um, and without the gospel, we are imprisoned to to the wills of the world. You know what I mean? So, like, um, i I've, i don't—I think I don't know what it is about me, but. I have never struggled with um, listening to the spirit. I guess maybe occasionally, like very, very, very seldom. But like for the most part, um, if the spirit tells me to do something, I just do it. I don't hesitate, right? And it's been that way my whole life. And I think that's why it has, that was why it has led me to the path that I'm on now, right? Like it was so easy for me to recognize um, the patriarchal blessing in my textbook. It was so,
0: um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, like,
1: like it was so uh aha at the time that I needed it to say, it's time for you to go on a mission. Um, it was so, you know, like all of these things led me to, because I just listened to the spirit and I never really have turned it down, but very few occasions in my life. And so I feel like, being humble and being willing to listen. And if you find yourself not getting those promptings from the spirit, then you need to slow down and you've got too much going on. And I, and I feel like if we slow down and listen, that's, that's our ticket to freedom right there.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny but that you mentioned that there's a, when you were talking about there, that, that reminded me of something that, you know, speaking of listening to the Holy ghost, um, that, I just, I thought would be, maybe, you'll probably be able to add on to this as well. Um, from the book, The Triumph of Zion. If you ever get a chance to let, let's, uh, read this, it's by John It's really good. Um, he talks about that very thing, and this, this page I just opened up to. Where he talks about, he, hold on, I'm gonna skip a few paragraphs in between this, but he says, you live your life, you know, obedience to this still small voice. If you're aware of its presence, you will hear it. It will constitute many promptings to do something, or perhaps not do something. The key is to do exactly. as exactly as it guides you, as you said, without hesitation. A few paragraphs later, he says why this works. Says, why is the only form of obedience that does work? He says, uh, No longer must we pick among the lesser of evils, trying to decide which commandment to keep at the moment. No longer is there a war between doing our church duties and serving our families fully. No longer must we determine whether to prepare a Sunday school lesson or cook to dinner. You just listen. The Holy Ghost will guide you, and in time, your soul delights in obedience because joy always follows. And in the midst of the joy, the realization brightly dawns that you have almost effortlessly aligned your soul with every commandment. I, first time I read that, I was like, you know, what you said there about listening to the Holy Ghost, that really is the key, you know. You want to influence somebody, you do it the way the Holy Ghost guides you to do it, you know. so
1: That's, that's it. and uh, And the great thing is that everybody has the Spirit of Christ, and so they don't have the Holy Ghost as a constant companion unless you've been baptized and confirmed a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but everybody has the Spirit of Christ in them, and so they can get those same promptings from the Holy Ghost to help them set themselves free.
0: Wow. Give me some some things to think about tonight, that's for sure. (laughs) stuff. Any any, any final thoughts you have for listeners tonight? Uh, Suggestions? Something you want to throw out there? Uh,
1: Support your local schools. Support your local schools. Reach out to the students. Find out if there's programs that you can do to help your community. Needs your example. Your Your community really does need your example. So reach out to the schools and see what you can do to help your local community. Teachers need your help. We can't we can't set the example for our rising generation
0: alone. Echoing the Savior's example, right?
1: Exactly.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for being on again tonight.
1: Thanks for
0: having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. In the next episode, we have Brett Fleming talking about judgment. Um, Interesting topic for him. uh, Appropriate, because Brett has actually been Practicing psychotherapy for a number of years, specializing in emotion focused and CBT cognitive behavior therapies. Um, Brett currently works at Family Services, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, Eastern Canada office, where he uh, serves multiple stakes and missions. Um, additionally, he previously held a founder and director position at Qualia Counseling Services um, in the Kitchener Waterloo area, and developed uh, curriculum and taught at uh, Wilfrid Laurier University. Um, Brett and his wife, Charity, uh, currently have four great children and live in Paris, Ontario. So that's next time. If you have any questions about this episode, or if you um, want something specific talked about, and any feedback for um, any of me or my guests, please uh, drop me a line at thepulsifier at gmail.com. That's in the description. And if you like what you heard today, if something helped you out, please go and give that follow link a click. On Potomac.com and I uh, need the platforms listed on the home page where you can subscribe and send others to do the same. And lastly, of course, written reviews are very, very helpful on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, so please leave those. Uh, where you can, if you have an iTunes account, go ahead and log in and, and leave that. If you uh, if you would please, and don't forget to share this around with with everybody who uh, maybe needs a boost in their day motivation to get out there and do some good. So have a great day, everyone, and remember to stand steadfastly in the freedom God gave us. Until next time, this is Paul Pulsifer.